All right. Uh, well, I don't know if I really need to say anything now. That's pretty good, right? Uh, good evening. Okay. Uh, my, uh, my name's Jeremy, for those that don't know you. Uh, I'm not on the ministry staff. I'm just a dad, uh, youth volunteer, you know, which is always an interesting thing when you're a dad and you got kids in youth, because your kids are going to act, you guys are going to act a certain way towards your parents. So I got, currently I got two daughters here in youth. And it's really, you can really contrast the way they each react when I'm around, right? So I will say I got an older daughter. We'll call her, we'll call her Bella. And it's it's unique because when I go to youth events and Bella's there, she acts like I don't exist, right? I can be the person handing out pizza and she will go around me Right. Last year when we were up at Eastern University and we had been there a, a couple of days and I'm walking down the hallway one way and Bella's walking down the hall the other way and she jumped literally out of the way. You would think I was like a, a, a Mack truck making my way down that was going to run her over, right? Because it's uncool to be around your dad, right? Then I have my other daughter and we'll just call her... Anastasia, yeah, that's a great one. So we'll call her Anastasia. Anastasia's totally different, right? So we, can't, we got here about 30 minutes ago, and in that time, Anna said hello to me four times, right? So uh, quite different, but why am I here tonight? Well, Caleb uh, had to be out today uh, doing, you know, preacher things. Uh, so he asked me to come, and I, I love to talk about Jesus, Right? I mean, I love Jesus. If you, if you remember nothing else about me, if you don't remember anything about my kids, I love Jesus, right? Jesus is, is without a doubt, uh, my savior and, and the center of my life and, and what everything else in my life is based off of, right? Jesus is more important than my wife, and my wife is gorgeous, let me tell you. I married way out of my league, Seriously. I mean, I think she's a little nearsighted, which is the only reason she stays with me, right? So, um, but Jesus is more important than my wife. I love my kids. They, I would give them the still beating heart on my chest, but Jesus is more important. And y'all have been, for the past few weeks, answering that question, you know, or learning, you know, the different answers to the question when Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say that I am, Right? And it's probably the most important question that you will answer in your entire life, right? I mean, you're going to decide, some of you are in high school and you're looking at colleges and you're trying to decide what college you're going to go to and everything like that. And that's important, but it pales in comparison to eternity. Some of you are thinking about you're going to get ready to drive and, you know, oh, what car am I going to get? Hey, how am I going to get on the road and everything like that? That's, that's nothing in compared to how you answer the question to Jesus, who do you say that I am? Now, the world uh, has a lot of different uh, answers to that question, right? And they, they've come up with different ways that, you know, they're going to try to convince you of who Jesus is. Um, can you get the next slide? And, you know, some, some people in the world are, you know, going to tell you, hey, Jesus is just a nice guy, right? Hey, he came, he did a lot of great works, right? You know, that's who Jesus is, just somebody who, who did a lot of good stuff for people, right? But the Bible doesn't let us believe that Jesus was just a, a good person, right? 
Because in the Bible, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. Jesus claimed to be God. So either he was a lunatic or he was Lord. You can't just dismiss him as a nice guy. Some people said, hey, he's, he's a prophet, but he wasn't the Messiah. But Jesus repeatedly over and over said, hey, I am God's son. I am with the Father. The Father and I are one. So once again, that doesn't hold water. Some people just look at Jesus as a revolutionary, right? I think sometimes when we go to children's church, which a lot of you are making that transition from children's church up to here to youth, right? You watch Veggie Tales and everything, right? You know, and you get this picture that Jesus is, you know, not, you know, Jesus is all nice and timid and everything like that. That's not, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is in the temple overturning tables, braiding a whip, whipping the uh, vendors out of the church. He's more than just a revolutionary. Then some people are even going to say that Jesus is just an invention of legend, right? That Jesus, you know, he, he, you know, there's no real evidence. But the evidence, the historical evidence is overwhelming. Roman historians, you know, have detailed descriptions of Jesus and his ministry and the ministry of, of Christians throughout the Roman Empire. There's so much there that any... No reputable scholar will say that there was no such thing as Jesus. Despite all that, when I think of the, the question, if Jesus were to ask me, who do you say I am? Well, I think we can find that answer, you know, for me, is in Matthew. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and uh, turn it to Matthew. We're going to go with uh, chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and we'll kind of get into it as we break it down. But for me, this characterizes Jesus on so many levels. So, starting with verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went, and they woke him, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing, And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, ye of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? Three basic stories. For those that grew up in the church, you probably heard this story, you know, 25, 30, 50 times over your life. But have you really thought about what it says about Jesus? About who he is at his very core, at his very essence, right? Next slide. Uh, To me, you know, it paints Jesus as my protector, right? Jesus is there to take care of us, right? You know, he's there to, to, through the storms of life, to take care of us in many ways. And this is how he does that. Next slide. So, a few things to know about this that I want you to know. The first, first and most important thing about this is I want you to know that you will go through storms. Right? How many of you thought being a Christian would be easy? Right? You just said, hey, you believe in God, everything's going to fall into place. 
right? You're never gonna have heartache. The world's gonna be nice to you. Everything's gonna be perfect, all right? And there's a lot of preachers you're gonna see on TV. There's a lot of people that are gonna say, oh yeah, you know, everything's gonna be perfect. But the Bible tells us the exact opposite of that. And once again, take, if you take nothing else from what I talk about, remember this, you are gonna go through storms in life. There's gonna be times that are hard. How many of you feel like an outcast sometimes at school? How many of y'all feel picked on at school sometimes? How many of you feel left out with your friends at times? Right? Absolutely. Is it easy? How many of you have had your heart broken for the first time? That guy, that girl that you thought was the sun and moon rose with, all of a sudden finds better things to do, right? It stinks. You are going to go through rough times. In fact, James 1, verses 2 and 3 tell, tells us, Count it joy, my brothers, when you meet the trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, faith produces steadfastness. Right? That verse says, count joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. I, I, I know y'all are fixing to go back to school, so let's do a little English real fast. The word that he uses there is when you meet trials. It doesn't say if you meet trials. It doesn't say, hey, something might, occasion, might, might possibly happen. It says when you face those trials. So you're going to, you're going to face that storm. You know? You know, maybe it's heartache. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's a car accident that injures someone that you know and love. But you're going to face those trials. And James tells us it's to help our faith produce to get stronger. All right? But much like in the story there in the boat, what's often going to happen is that the storms are going to come out of nowhere or after the good times. The verses in Matthew that we just read was right after Jesus had preached this magnificent sermon, right, to all these people, right? I mean, did, did this, uh, you know, we, we analyze, you know, the, the, the sermon that uh, he just preached, you know, all the time because it was so great. And so, so much of what we hear from Jesus is that sermon. So this was like his greatest sermon. So the next thing he does is get in a boat and the storm comes. Him and his disciples should have been on a high. Hey, we just accomplished all this. God, you just, say, you know, you just fed 5,000 people. You just you know, saved so many. You did such much great things. And you're on that high, and that's when the storm hits. Comes out of nowhere, when you least expect it. 1 Peter 4.12 tells us, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. It's not strange when you get tested. It's, it's a, natural, a natural progression. When you go to school, you go into an environment with people of all different backgrounds, right? They're different than yours. They think differently than yours. Some of them have never even walked into church. Some of them have never even heard the name of Jesus, as hard as that might, may be to believe. So they're gonna challenge you on your beliefs. They're gonna make a, you know, look at you strange when you say something, Right? Like the video said, you know, are they going to call you a Jesus freak? And how are you going to react to that? Right? So the storms are going to come out of nowhere, right? But the good news is, is that Jesus is waiting on us for, to call on him. Where was Jesus when the storm hit, right? He was asleep. 
He was, he was over on the side. I don't know how, how many of you have actually ever gone out in a boat before, right? And that's, those things, even on like low seas, right? Those, those things pitch around, right? And you're, you're trying to walk down the thing and you're, you're bouncing from one side to another. First time I went on a boat, I'm in the Marine Corps, and I went like the first 10 years of my career without ever stepping foot on a boat, right? Which is unusual because the Marine Corps is, you know, a department of the Navy, the men's department. Anyway, uh, so, but, so, but as a Marine, I'd never been on a boat. So I'm, I have to get in this boat and we're, and we're just floating. We're just floating from North Carolina up to, to New York, but it was bad seas, and I remember laying in that, the rack, and I was all like, because they had the, the, the bed stacked up, and I was on the third bed, right? And that thing, that boat's pitching and going everywhere, and they got a little seat belt that you put on, right? Because, you know, I'm 10 feet in the air. If I roll out of that thing, and it's a metal boat, it's going to hurt, right? So I'm, in the, I'm strapped into my bed while this boat is doing all this number, Right? I literally got up and I got no sleep that night because I just walked around because I couldn't, there was no way I was gonna fall asleep because the winds were just too rough. But here Jesus is in, and I was in a huge Navy ship, right? Jesus and the disciples are probably in a, a small fishing boat, you know, less than half the size of the stage. And Jesus is there sleeping, totally oblivious to what's going on in the world, or at least that's what his disciples think, right? What was their response? They, they're like, Lord, Lord, we're gonna die. How many of y'all have cried out to God like that before? Hey, God, I can't make it another day. This is just too rough. This stress is too much. This burden that you, that, that's been put on my back, I just can't do it. I can't make it another day. Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna perish, Right? And what was Jesus' response? He said, oh, you have little faith. Basically saying, did you not think that I knew what was going on? Do you not know that even in the storm, even in your trials, even in your obstacles, I know what's going on. I've never left you. I've always been right here. That's why he told the disciples, and that's why he tells each and every one of us. Sometimes we, we try to muscle through, right? Especially the guys, right? Guys are notorious for this. You know, you'll break your arm, I'll be hanging off here. No, it's good, it's a scratch, right? That, that's how guys are. You're gonna muscle through it, right? We're gonna get through it on our own. But Jesus is there waiting for you. When you're going through those times, when, when your arm is hanging on by a thread, when you're, when you're feeling the stress and, and you're being challenged, Jesus is waiting there for you, saying, oh, you have little faith, just give me it. Give me the opportunity to work for you. Then what did Jesus do? It says that he rebuked the storm, right? So, once again, going, going all English teacher on you here. It didn't say that he, you know, just said, all right, calm down. It said he rebuked the storm. What's the word rebuke means? It means forcibly called down, right? Because Jesus loves you. Jesus isn't just trying to pacify everything around you. Jesus is willing to, to fight for you. Jesus is willing to, to you know, go headlong, and give you the strength and 
you know, fight for your heart, fight for your spirit, fight for you. That's the difference between, you know, calming and rebuking, right? First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Listen to that again. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptations, he will also provide a way to escape that you may endure it. That's from the word of God. That is God saying, he'll never give you more than you can handle when you rely on him. We're at the end of summer. A lot of changes are going on, right? So some of you are going from middle school to high school. Some of you are, you know, getting ready, you know, going to those junior, senior years where now, like I said, you're thinking about college and, oh, I got to take the ACTs. I got to take the SATs. Oh, I need to, to pad my resume and all these extracurricular activities so I can get in the right college, you know, and all this pressure starts mounting, right? And, and everything, sometimes it feels like the world's closing in because now, oh, hey, I want to drive, so I need to have a part-time job too. And so I get, not only do I have to split time between basketball, volleyball, work, and school, and I just don't have time for anything else. And I'm stressed out, and I feel like I'm, I'm you, know, you know, a piece of butter spread across a piece of toast, just spread thin. But God's saying that's not... Uncommon. God's saying that you don't have to fold to that. God is saying that I am here for you. I will provide you a way. I will be the way. I will rebuke your storm and help you walk through life. All right? That's why I believe that Jesus, He is our protector, He is our Savior. He loved each and every one of us enough that he went to the cross with the most horrific death that man has ever constructed. He hung up there and died. And if it was just you, he would have done it just for you. And he's got those arms open just as a symbol of love, just waiting for you hands out, willing to wrap around you, to protect you, to guide you. So when you think about that question, you know, who do I say Jesus is? It's not a question you can gloss over. It's not a question that you can, you know, delay. It's not a question that you can put off till tomorrow. It's a question that demands an answer. It's a question that you need to take the time and really think about and search yourself about. You can't have a relationship with Jesus through your parents. So many times I hear, well, my parents are Christian, so I must be too. You can't be a Christian and you can't have Christ at the center of your life because you're American, right? American's a Christian nation, so I must be Christian. That's, that's not how it works. You and only you can answer that question of who do you say that I am? Let's bow our heads.
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time uh, to come before these young men and young women. Lord, I just ask that you uh, be with each one of them as they ask that question to themselves. Many of them are, are firm in their relationship with you, Lord, and I just ask that you continue to help them dive deeper in their faith and to, to you know, meditate on you and come to you daily. And Father God, for those who do not have a relationship with you, for those who are still trying to figure out the answer to that question, Lord, I ask that you give them the boldness to talk to others. I ask you to give them the boldness to look in themselves and, and, and look in the Bible and to reach out to try to find that answer, Father God. Lord, and as they go out and they, as they face their storms, as they, as they face their obstacles, I just, you know, I ask that you, you know, rebuke them and carry them through. Provide them the, the protection and provide them the guidance they need to always come back to you. Lord, we love you, we need you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.